one of the most popular television game shows uh, was and still is The Price is Right, <clears throat> hosted by good old Bob Barker until recently. You know, when you receive tickets for that show, uh, that highly watched fast-moving game show, you automatically become eligible to have your name drawn to be a participant on that show. And as the show begins, names are drawn, and an announcer says something like this, Betty Walker, come on down. Well, what happens then is Betty jumps up and down a little bit, and then she runs down to the front of the game show set to compete with other contestants for the opportunity to go on the platform and guess the price of various showcases. Now, if Betty, standing down in front, comes closest to the price of a certain item, she's going to beat out the other competitors. When this happens, she jumps up and down again, and then she runs onto the platform to compete for various other showcases. But the key to getting on the price is right is when someone says, come on down. Now, in Isaiah 64, verses 1 to 9, that I read to you previously today, the prophet gives us a similar picture here on the very first Sunday of Advent. It is his great desire that God come on down. He says, rend the heavens and come on down. And for Isaiah, for God to appear, well, he has to open up the heavens. Kind of reminds us of the great Advent hymn. In fact, as you come to the very first Advent service of the year this Wednesday, either at noon or 7, we're going to sing only one hymn. Isn't that interesting? In fact, if you come on December the 21st, we're only going to sing but one hymn. It reminds us of our desire to have God come back again. Many of you know that old hymn that says, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of Man appears. That's Isaiah's desire, that God come on down. But you know, it ought to also be our desire. So let me ask you this very important question. Are you all ready for Christmas? Are you getting ready for Christmas? How many of you have got your Christmas music out already? A couple of you. How many of you have started your gift shopping? Yeah, a few more. How many of you have made your Christmas cookies already? I like oatmeal raisin, by the way, any time of the year. How many of you have addressed and sent your Christmas cards already? How many of you have written that infamous Christmas letter already? How many of you got your Christmas tree or trees up already? Oh, okay. A few hearty souls. You know, Christmas preparations, it seems, happen earlier and earlier every year. I, I know that some stores started putting it up, I don't know, either shortly before or right after Halloween. And while that may seem out of place, I think they're only following traditional advice. Traditional advice that says one can never start too early to get ready for something big. The Advent is that time to get ready for something really big. Advent is a time of expectation, it's a time of anticipation, it's a time of preparation for celebrating the fact that Jesus actually came into this world as a little baby some 2,000 years ago. It's the time when Jesus has come into the hearts of those people who believe and has caused us to become born again, just like little William Henry this morning. 
to become new creations, to become children of God. It's also a time to prepare for something that's even bigger, and that's that Jesus is going to come back again someday and usher in the new heaven and earth. Isaiah 64 started out with these words, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. A slightly more modern version would say, Oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down, how the mountains would quake in your presence. Now, the prophet Isaiah was talking for a bunch of people who were powerless and oppressed at the time of this writing. His message is in the form of a prayer that really has in it the hope of Advent. He reminds God about how God came and helped them in the past. And, and Isaiah is waiting for God to come again to help them, to rip open the heavens, if you will, so that he can become involved one more time in the affairs of the earth. So Isaiah is waiting on the Messiah, and he petitions Christ to come on down. I suppose if you had Bob Barker's announcement, it would be, Jesus Christ, come on down. That's the plea of Isaiah 64. But in order to attract his attention, something needs to be done other than just shouting, come on down. I don't know if you noticed that in the text, but as the prophet says that, it's as if he suddenly looks around, surveys the situation, and then in verse 2 kind of lowers his voice and confesses the guilt of the entire nation. He looks out at a bunch of people who have sinned, and he begins to pray a prayer of confession. Now, if we're going to make this applicable to the year 2008, we're going to have to say the same thing. While we want God to come on down, for us to really experience Advent, for all of us to truly prepare for the coming of Jesus, there needs to be genuine confession and genuine repentance. Now, confession, which we'll do at the end of the message, is kind of like a, a, a clearinghouse in order for us to seek the mercy of God. True confession washes away the arrogance of thinking that somehow we can do everything ourselves. Advent comes every year, right after Thanksgiving, to judge us and to remind us that we are all sinners. But Advent also answers the question, how can we be saved? See, it, Isaiah, what he does is he reminds Israel, he reminds us that all of our efforts to save ourselves leave us like filthy rags is the word he uses. He said we are contaminated, we are impure, and in our own strength to try to save ourselves, he even says we're kind of like fall leaves. Fall leaves. We are faded and vulnerable left only for the wind to blow away. So the question, friends, is how are you, or how are we, getting ready for Christmas? Well, in order to figure that out, I'm going to take you back to our gospel lesson in Mark, because Mark has something rather interesting to say, too. It sets the stage for our preparation. Here Jesus says, and at that time men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great glory, and he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. Now, you might have heard that and heard it again and said, what's that got to do with getting ready for Christmas? I mean, did they put the wrong text in here? Well, the answer is no, because it depends on what you're preparing for. 
Now, growing up in Nebraska, in the Lincoln Journal Star, right after Thanksgiving, they would begin a countdown. The countdown was there every day, and every day I would look at it. They were counting down the days of preparation to Christmas by reminding us how many shopping days were left. Some of you probably know the answer to that. How many shopping days left of Christmas? I'm not going to ask you to blurt it out, but some of you probably know. But see, the church has a countdown clock as well. The church measures its time of preparation in terms of the number of days remaining until the time when Jesus will return to the earth in glory and in power. Kind of reminds me of the four-part sermon series I'm going to start in January. The series is called One Month to Live. How would you reshape and refocus your life if you had only one month to live? I'll tell you that the second message is called Three Weeks to Live. And the message after that is called Two Weeks to Live. And the last message is called One Week to Live. It's pretty timely when you stop and think about it. Because in the last day, I know of three people who've entered eternal rest. Four. But think about Susie Nipper this past week. Have you numbered your days? Are you looking forward to the time when Christ comes again? I don't know about you, but that, that somehow completely reverses my personal expectations about celebrating Christmas, let alone getting ready for it. And, but don't get me wrong. I like Christmas as much as the next person. At least I like parts of Christmas. But if the theme here of the first Sunday of Advent is to focus our attention on the real meaning of Christmas, then we need to realize that celebrating the birth of Jesus was important to our ancestors because they had experienced the life-changing effects of actually having Emmanuel, God, with them. And now they were looking forward to him coming back and reestablishing a new heaven and a new earth. Now, I'm not going to advocate a change in our customs to celebrate Christmas. I'm just suggesting this morning that we all have an attitude adjustment, that we change our attitudes about what we are actually preparing for. Advent is a time of preparation. What is it we are preparing for? I think we need to recapture once again that sense of eager anticipation about the second coming of Christ which was held by the early church. See, during Advent, we need to listen to God who tells us to look beyond today and tomorrow, not just to December 25th when we celebrate the birthday of Jesus, but to look forward to a time when Jesus will actually come again, when the sky will literally rip open and Jesus will come down and he will judge both the living and the dead. See, this morning on the very first Sunday of Advent, we're doing a whole lot more than just to get ready for some cute little children's program. We're doing a whole lot more than to prepare ourselves to sing our favorite Christmas songs. We're doing a whole lot more than just to prepare for a Christmas Eve service with candles in our hands singing Silent Night in the Dark. What we are here today is celebrating the fact that God has already come to us in this fallen world in order to destroy death's grip on us that's what Isaiah was praying for, but we also know that we desire him to come back 
one more time. A Chinese scholar who was converted to Christianity told this story. He said, a man fell into a deep, dark, slimy pit. He tried to get out, but he couldn't get out of the pit. But along came Confucius. And Confucius saw the man and looked down in the pit and said, Oh, you poor fellow, if you listened to me, you would have never fallen into that pit. And Confucius continued to walk on. Then Buddha came. And Buddha saw that man in the pit and said, Oh, poor fellow, if you'll just come up here, I'll help you out. But because the man couldn't get out of the hole, Buddha too walked on. But then Jesus came and said, poor fellow, and he jumped into the pit and lifted him out. Friends, we celebrate today that Jesus is beside us in the muck of this world. Jesus lives. Jesus has come. He is down here with us. And because he's down here with us, we're also preparing for that grand and that wonderful day when there will be no more pain, there will be no more sorrow, there will be no more death. And what a grand and wonderful day that will be. We are preparing for an event that has no equal in our human experience and for which we await with eager anticipation. I remember what it was like for me as a kid to wait for Christmas. You know, the closer it got, the more excited I became. And after Christmas candlelight services, I, I can remember how hard it was for me to even fall asleep at night. This Advent season and these next number of weeks, friends, Let's expand our Christmas preparations to include Christ coming back to this earth in power and glory. Now, no one knows what that, that day is going to come, but we do know that it is going to happen. Let's allow our eager anticipation of that event to spill over in our anticipation of this year's Christmas celebration as well. I mean, such a vision will surely change the way that we live from day to day, every day. Let's prepare to celebrate what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do in the future. Remember, friends, one can never start too early to get ready for something big. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do anticipate the celebration of your birth on Christmas Day. And yet at the same time, we want to share that same prayer that Isaiah had, that you would rend the heavens and come down. That's why we come before you and confess our sins. We prepare ourselves for your coming. Take, make ready for that time. Lord, today we also lift before you the people in our congregation. We remember um, the family of Susie Nipper who entered rest this last week. We pray also for Glenn and Judy Johnson and their family as they mourn the loss of their uh, mother and father and for uh, Tiffany and Caleb as they mourn the loss of Jason. Father, we pray that you will fill these hearts with your peace. Surround them with your love and care. Surround them with people that you have called to be in their lives, to be your eyes and ears and arms. Lord, we also pray for those who are ill or confined to places at home or in nursing homes or retirement centers, we pray that you would comfort them even as well. And Lord, be with our young people and their chaperones as they are in Fort Worth uh, celebrating glory bound. We pray that the messages and the music that they hear there will inspire them to even greater faith. 
Lord, for this and so many other things, we just ask and pray in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen. In your